let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb. Many years ago in a village in northern Ghana, people began to get sick and die. The sickness spread to others and other villages were impacted. Soon there was an epidemic. So the government sent in teams to try to stop the epidemic and rescue the people. The first team sent by the Ministry of Health arrived and they quickly set up makeshift hospitals. They focused on treating the sick. They gave injections and prescribed medication and cared for the dying. But no matter what the first team from the Ministry of Health did, more people got sick and more people died. The epidemic spread and it seemed as if there was no cure. But then a second team arrived from the Minister of Health. Their job was not to treat the patients, but rather to stop the pandemic. So they set out to find the source of the disease, and they soon traced it to the water supply. All the people in that village drank the water from the stream that flowed through the town, and they discovered that the water was contaminated. So the experts from the Ministry of Health started going upstream, searching for the source of the contamination until they got to the very beginning of the stream where the spring flowed up from the ground, and there they discovered discovered the dead carcass of an animal. The rotting corpse was polluting the water all the way downstream to the village, killing men, women, and children. And when they cleaned up the source, the contamination ceased, and life and health was restored to the village. There's a powerful lesson for all of us in the story of the village and the pandemic. The source is more important than the symptoms. If we can solve the problem at the source, we can end the symptoms and restore life. And that's how it is with our own lives today. So often we're looking at the symptoms and we're trying to solve the symptoms with a quick fix. I feel sad, so let's go get a drink. I'm lonely, so let's sleep together. I feel insecure, so let me buy a new dress and paint my nails and fix my hair. But you can't heal an illness by simply applying a bandage. You can't cure cancer by putting your arm in plaster. You have to find the root of the problem to find the cure. And it's not just you and I that struggle with this. The whole world is focused on symptoms while we ignore the source. We fight wars to solve problems, but the wars never cease. We enact laws to stop corruption, but the corruption continues. We write books and speak on subjects until we're hoarse. We hold conferences and workshops and symposiums, yet the problems are unresolved. In fact, in 2016, Joy News reported that one government minister here in Ghana spent nearly a quarter of a million U.S. dollars to attend one conference in Geneva, Switzerland. And yet that one conference did not provide one Ghanaian with a job, did not build one school, did not pave one road, did not solve one problem or hire one teacher. And all the while we're focused on the symptoms. But what's the source? Where are the problems coming from? We can't help ourselves till we clean up the source. That's why today's message is so important. In order to find solutions for your problems, you have to find solutions for your soul. The source of your problems lies often not in the outward conflicts, but in the inner recesses of your soul. 
when your soul is unhealthy, it impacts every other area of life. For the fact is, if you want to flourish in life, you must first flourish in your soul. So let's begin today a journey to discover the solutions for our soul. But before we go on, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we come before you today in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We are living souls with your breath inside of us. But so often, Lord, we've ignored and neglected our souls. We ask you today to help us turn our attention towards our souls to begin to focus on the most important part of our lives. We submit our souls to you. I bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of God, the power of life, the spirit of life to flood our souls, our mind our emotions, and our will, that we might be yielded to you and that we might flourish in our souls so we flourish in life. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. I want to invite you to take a moment, join your faith with mine right now, put your hand on your chest and pray out loud after me, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart, change my life, manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Welcome to Agape House. Welcome to the first weekend in February. It's a fabulous February here at Agape House. And today I'm excited because we're beginning part two of our sermon series, Flourish. You remember that throughout the month of January, we looked at part one, the foundation to flourish. I gave you principles that you can apply to flourish in life. The power of the seed, the principle of sowing, and the promise of sheaves. But today we're moving to part two, where we begin to apply those principles. We start to focus on the fields where God wants us to flourish. We're going to discover how to apply the principles from part one into our lives, such as in our family, our finance, our faith. And we begin today with the sermon, Flourish in Your Feelings. By God's grace, we're going to find solutions for our souls that will help us flourish in life. We're going to move beyond surface symptoms and find healing and restoration. And to help us do that, we printed sermon notes. They're on page three and four of your bulletin. So go ahead and take out your bulletin, turn to page three, and follow along with me as we discover how to flourish in your feelings. Our scripture text for today is one verse found in Isaiah 58, 11. I'd like everybody to read it out loud, read it with faith. We got to wake up the people coming to 1130 service. Amen. So here we go. Three, two, one, go. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, just put your hand on your chest and say, I am a well-watered garden. I am an ever-flowing spring. I love this verse and the promises and the hope and the encouragement it gives to us. Take a moment with me right now and just exercise your imagination and picture what this scene looks like because this is God's desire for you. This is God's destiny for you. It's a picture of yourself as a watered garden. You're blossoming and blooming and growing. There's leaves and flowers and fruit. You're nurtured. You're fruitful. You're peaceful and you're beautiful. Tell your neighbor you're beautiful. Uh, young man, calm down right now over there. It's, it's, 
This is the picture of God for your soul. But to understand this passage, you have to move beyond the physical, ordinary way we might view flourishing and take a holistic approach. This passage is not talking about financial prosperity. It has nothing to do with the house you live in or your occupation. It's a picture of how God intends your soul to look. Yet even though this is God's destiny and desire for our souls, our mind, our will, and emotion, many of us find this is not our daily reality. Rather than being flourishing in a watered garden, our lives are stressed. We're hurried and harried and hassled. We're under pressure. And in spite of any physical or material blessings we have, our minds and emotions are in turmoil. That's why this passage is so powerful and important for us, because here God lays out for us his vision for our mental and emotional prosperity. Now, that may be surprising to you. You may not have thought of God desiring you to have mental and emotional prosperity. It's possible that you thought of God only in two ways. He comes to meet me spiritually, and he comes to bless me physically. We know we need him spiritually. We need his blood to cleanse us. We need deliverance from the kingdom of darkness. And we know we need his daily blessing. And most of us pray, God, bless me and help me. And so we think of him spiritually. We think of him physically. What we miss the inner middle ground. We ignore God's impact on our mind, our will, and our emotion. Most of us, I think, assume that emotional health will automatically follow when we have the spiritual and the physical in place. But that's simply not true. There are Christians who love God but have emotional and mental pain. There are rich people with a lot of material goods who have emotional and mental pain. And there are Christians who are rich who have emotional and mental pain. And we need to understand today that God in this passage is speaking directly to our mental and emotional situation. He's offering us more than just salvation, which is the most important thing. But he's offering us more than financial prosperity. He's promising that we can flourish internally and become a watered garden that waters others. The problem for many of us in the church today is we have disconnected our minds and our emotions from our daily walk of faith. Too many of us have separated our emotional health and our mental health from our daily walk with Jesus. In fact, in many churches today, if you have a mental problem or an emotional problem, if you're in pain or in trauma, they say, you're demon-possessed, it's the devil. Nonsense. There's no doubt the devil can use mental and emotional trauma to torment you. But mental and emotional pain are not brought about because of demonic possession. Mental and emotional pain come because of something someone did to us or how we perceived what was done to us. And we've got to the place, get to the place today where we not only recognize the impact of demonic possession, but we also notify and recognize the impact of emotional and mental trauma. Simple acts done against us have caused us pain. If you were raped by your uncle as a child and you couldn't tell anyone you suffered a trauma, your emotional problems today are not the result of a demon. It's what was done to you. You have a wound that needs to heal. If you were beaten and abused by an angry, out-of-control father, and now you find yourself consumed with rage, you don't have a demon of anger. You have an emotional wound that needs to be healed. 
you need inner healing. For the fact is, hurt people hurt people. And this is exactly what our scripture text is telling us today. There's no mention of the devil in this passage, even though it talks about dryness. There's no mention of demonic possession, even though it talks about weakness. And the solution to the dryness and the weakness is to connect ourselves to God. It's to get our soul under his control. It's to allow God's spirit to come and water us and renew us and restore us and refresh us. For no matter who you are, no matter what happened to you, no matter how you feel inside, side today. Even if your emotions cannot be expressed, God knows, God cares, God understands, and he's here to make your emotions a watered garden. So let's discover how to flourish in your feelings. And here's your first truth today. Commit your soul to God's control. There are three promises in this passage. Let's look at the first one. The Lord will guide you continually. This is a promise from God. Our journey to flourishing in our emotions and in our life comes when God begins to guide us. For the truth is you can only be whole in your soul when you commit your soul to God's control. And the reason is your soul has its origin in God. Your soul is the connecting point for you and God. Your soul is where his life came into you. That's why Genesis 2-7 says, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And so when God made man, he was there, but he was like a statue. He was in his image. He was beautiful. He was shaped, but there was no life in him. Then the Bible says, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So everything physical might look beautiful, might be formed perfectly, but without the breath of God, there's no life in it. The part of you that has life is your living soul, and the source of your life is the very breath of the Almighty. And that's why your soul can only be healthy when it's connected to God. That's why David said in Psalm 107.9, for the Lord has satisfied Satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul, he is filled with what is good. Satisfaction only comes from God. And I declare to you today, if you're hungry in your soul, if you're thirsty in your soul, property and popularity and pleasure won't satisfy your soul. You can get everything in this world, but if you're empty inside and don't have the life of God, you have nothing. That's why Ecclesiastes 6, 7 says, all the labor of man is for his mind mouth, and yet the soul is not satisfied. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. You have to keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing in your life is your soul. All the property, all the money, all the pleasure will pass away. When your body ceases to exist, your soul will live forever. Your soul with emotions, feelings, and thought patterns, it carries the breath of God. It's your connection point. That's why you can't flourish in life unless you flourish in your soul. Even if you accumulate all the money and the power and the prestige, what good is it if you're miserable inside? You have to pay attention to your soul. See, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We have material possessions, but we can't allow the possessions to possess us. We have to maintain our focus on the life to come. And here's the danger for us as Christians today. We've lost our souls, and we've neglected our souls, and we're caught up in this life. All our prayers are about this life, the here and now, not the here and after. We're praying, God, bless me. God, give me money. Lord, give me a destiny helper. Lord, open doors. Lord, give me a 
a visa, give me a degree, give me a career, give me a wife. God bless you. Those are wonderful things. But where is the prayer in our church for God, make me holy. God, make me like you. God, let my soul reflect your glory. Let me be a watered garden. And even though we maintain a form of spirituality, we're focused on the carnal. Our prayers, our preaching, our prophesying is about the here and now, not the here after. Some of us will drive an hour to get to a party. We will find a way to get there no matter what. But if I ask you to come to prayer meeting, you say, eh, the traffic, I can't make it. If you've attended 10 parties in the last three months and you've never been to a prayer meeting, you are neglecting your soul. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. You can sit on the phone talking for one hour, one hour to your girlfriend about hair, makeup, nails, and fashion. Hey, hair, makeup, nails, and fashion. Hair, makeup. That's lovely. Please keep it up. Hair, makeup, nails, fashion. Go ahead. But if you cannot even spend five minutes in daily devotion praying and studying the word, you are neglecting your soul. And here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. When we disengage God from our daily routine, then inevitably we center our life around self, and self is not the soul. A self-centered life revolves around me. A soul-centered life revolves around God. And this is a selfie generation. We're consumed with everything about self, our image of self on the internet. But self is the root of sin. Self is your sin nature. And self leads to destruction. That's what happened to a 33-year-old Belgium woman named Zoe Snokes. On Tuesday, November 2nd, 2021, Zoe was with her husband on holiday near the village of Nedrine in the Luxembourg province of Belgium. They'd gone up into the hills out in nature to take pictures and to enjoy the beauty of God's creation. And they got up to a cliff overlooking the Ruth River. And there was Zoe standing with her arms out wide. She decided to grab her camera and take a selfie. But as she was taking selfies on the edge of the cliff. Suddenly she lost her footing and she fell. Zoe Snooks died in the Arath River taking a selfie because a selfie life always leads to death. And this is the problem with millions of us around the world today. We're making the same mistake with our souls. We're so consumed with self, we don't bother to pay any attention to our soul. We're unaware of the danger around us, and we lose our soul. Yet God commands us in Deuteronomy 4.9, only take care. Tell your neighbor, take care. And keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. And notice the shocking truth inside this passage. God says, you are the keeper of your soul. It's your job, it's your duty, it's your responsibility to keep your soul diligently. It's up to you to be in the word of God. It's up to you to be in prayer. It's up to you to get close to God. You are the keeper of your soul. And if you neglect your soul, it won't go away. It will go astray. You can't ignore your soul. It doesn't run on automatic because you are a soul made by God, made for God, and made to an existence in God. You are not made to be self-sufficient. For Acts chapter 17, 28 says, it is in God that we live and move and keep 
on living. And you cannot have a healthy soul when you never pay attention to your soul, when you never sit and think about your soul, when you don't focus on growing your soul or consider the condition of your soul or the well-being of your soul. When all our lives are focused on money and material goods and career and relationships and sex and material goods uh, to the neglect and abuse of our soul, we're lost. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. In order to flourish in your feelings, you have to stop focusing on self and focus on your soul. You have to take care of your soul because your soul can only be whole when you commit your soul to God's control. But when you do, God begins to care for you. And that's our second truth today. Comfort your soul with God's care. Listen to the second promise in our scripture text today. The Lord will give you water when you are dry and restore your strength. So first we have a promise of his direction when he's controlling us. Secondly, we have a promise of his care. He will water us and restore us and provide for us. When you connect your soul to God's care, he knows exactly what you need. For God knows everything about you. He knows how you feel right now, even if you can't express it. He knows all that you've been through, and he cares about you. For Hebrews 4.15 says, Jesus, our high priest, understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do, Yet he did not sin. In other words, Jesus has passed through every experience you've had. He's been betrayed. He's been lied to. He's been hurt. He's been promised and failed. He understands how you feel, and he knows your emotions. And that's why it's so important to comfort your soul with God's care, because your feelings were intended to be a water garden, not a war zone. Your feelings were intended by God to be a flourishing field, not a battlefield. But when you ignore God's control and refuse his care, your feelings become a war zone and a battlefield. That's the lesson we can learn from the tragic but true story of identical twins from the USA, Anastasia and Alexandria Duval. Right from birth, they were more than identical twins. They were like soulmates. They grew up together, did everything together. When they were five years old, their mother died, and this forced Alexandria and Anastasia to be even closer. They relied upon each other. They schooled together. They lived together. They worked together, and eventually they started a business together. When one would start a sentence, the other would finish it. Their friends said they were inseparable. But along the way, some emotions began to creep in. It was a harsh reply followed by a small disagreement, and those emotions were not attended to. Everyone thought they were so close, nothing could separate them. So the emotions of anger and frustration and bitterness were allowed to grow. It started out small, but it got worse and worse. And so the sisters started arguing, and then they took their arguments into public. Friends were shocked to see them pulling each other's hair, slapping each other on the face, and shouting and cursing at one another. And so it was on May 29th, 2016, the twin sisters started fighting yet again. Multiple witnesses saw it and said that they were screaming at each other, cursing each other, pulling each other's hair, fighting and yelling. Alexandria got in the car to drive off, but Anastasia jumped in the passenger side, and they continued their fight as they drove down the road. Anastasia began pulling Alexandria's hair. Then she grabbed the steering wheel. Alexandria became so infuriated, she pressed the accelerator to the floor and drove the car off a cliff. Anastasia was killed instantly. 
And the police came and arrested Alexandria for murder. It wasn't supposed to end this way, with a car wreck at the bottom of a hill, one sister dead, the other on trial for murder. But when your emotions get out of control, it leads to destruction. That's why it's so important for you to understand how to prevent your feelings from taking over your soul. But you see, God has a solution for you today. He can free you from the anger. He can free you from the frustration. He can free you from the fear. He can free you from the resentment and the jealousy and the rage. He knows your struggles. He sees your weaknesses. And he has the power to deliver you. He has the grace, amazing grace, abundant grace that can heal your soul. That's why David said in Psalm one. 24, our soul has escaped. We've escaped from the bondage of anger. We've escaped from the bondage of trauma. We've escaped from what was done to us. Our soul has escaped as a bird out of the snare of the trapper. The snare is broken and we've escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Somebody say amen. And I'm here to declare to you, God can free you from the trap of your emotions that is holding you down. He can turn the battlefield of your feelings into a flourishing field. He can turn the war zone of emotion into a water garden. He doesn't remove your feelings. He comes and heals them and controls them and directs them and liberates them to flourish. For your emotions can bring you closer to God when you realize that he also has emotions and he can share in your emotion with you in a godly, holy manner. God himself has emotions, and you're made in his image, so you also have emotions. The Bible says God has the emotion of joy. Listen to Zephaniah 3.17. Adonai, your God is in your midst, a mighty Savior. He will delight over you with joy. Everybody say delight. Everybody say joy. He will quiet you with his love. He will dance over you for joy with singing. Hallelujah. God has the emotion of joy. God has the emotion of grief. He's brokenhearted at man's destruction. Psalm 78 says, How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved his heart in that dry wasteland. If you've ever been grieved because someone betrayed you, God understands. God can get angry. Jesus was angry with the hypocrites in his day and the Pharisees. And the Bible says in Psalm 711, God is angry with the wicked every day. You're destroying my earth. You're destroying my creation. And yet he has compassion. Mark chapter 6, Jesus shows us this. He saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. These are all emotions we feel, joy, grief, anger, sorrow, compassion. God has these same emotions and you're created in his image. So your emotions are not bad. You simply need to allow his emotions to overtake yours and rule in your life. That's why Jesus said in John 15, when you obey my commandments, when you you yield your soul to my control. You remain in my love, and his love covers every other emotion. Just as I, Jesus, obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow, and understand the promise of God to you today. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. The joy of the Lord can overtake every setback, every disappointment, every 
every grief, every anger, when you get connected to the love of God by yielding your soul to his control, he comes to care for you and comfort you and bless you and his emotions will rule in your soul. If you believe it, say amen. The problem with so many of us is we go one of two routes that are both wrong. We either let our emotions explode or we stifle our emotions and bottle them up. And many of us have been taught from childhood, don't display emotion. If you cry, your mother will slap you. If you express displeasure to your father, he will beat you. We're told to bottle things up because emotions show weakness. We men are especially bad at doing Doing this. So we smile and pretend inside you're raging, inside you're hurting, inside you're in trauma, but outside you're smiling. Hey, at the same, hey. Until something happens, maybe something little, and it triggers an explosion. Because you've stifled those emotions. You're like a can of Coca-Cola. It's shaken and shaken and shaken and shaken and shaken. And when you finally pull the lid, it explodes. God's desire for you is not to explode. It's not to stifle. It's to find the right path and follow his direction. That's why he says in Jeremiah 6, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find Rest for your souls. That happened to me just this morning. I have a confession to make. I was coming to church, driving down Lagos Avenue, and there was Go Slow on Lagos Avenue. Go Slow on Lagos Avenue, Sunday morning, 7.15 a.m. Hey! Opposite KFC, they're building some big, huge building, and the truck was in the road, and all the traffic was diverted, and we were stuck. And my first reaction is, oh, Jesus, Why? I was frustrated. I thought of the time, I, want, I don't want to be late. But I said, wait a minute. What is God's way? What's the right way? I stood at a crossroad where I could allow my emotions to explode or I could stifle them. But I came to a decision point. I said, what, what's the good way? Ah, I know. In everything, give thanks. And I started praising God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not frustrated. I'm flourishing. Thank you, Jesus. I'm full of peace and hope because you are in control of my life. You will turn everything for good. The traffic cleared. We got here early and I had peace in my heart because I allowed God to control my soul. That's why David prayed in Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you've examined my heart and know everything about me. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. Search me, O God. This must be our prayer today. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Bring your soul under God's control. Comfort your soul with God's care. That brings us to our third truth. Connect your soul to carry God's compassion. Listen to our third and final promise in our text. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. And understand God's vision for you is not just to make you a well-watered garden, but to make others watered through you. You will flourish in your soul. You will overflow to others. His love and his light will not only enrich you and care for you, but you will be a blessing to others. You are a spring of blessing 
blessing to everyone around you when God controls your soul and you're comforted by his care. See, the amazing truth is this. When you commit your soul to God's control, his presence comes in. And when his presence comes in, you get the care that you need and your soul is healed. And when God's healing fills your soul, it flows out to others. For God's care for your soul is not just so that you can feel better. God wants you to feel better, but he wants you to feel better so you do better. God wants to empower you and enrich you and cause you to be a blessing in this generation to overflow to the world. That's why 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4 says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. Somebody say comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. No matter what you're feeling, no matter what you're passing through, no matter what has happened to you, God wants to give you his comfort so he can comfort others through you. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. When you receive God's love, you will be a blessing and you will give it out to others. Your own soul will be enriched and others will be blessed. That's the lesson we can learn from the old widow woman from right here in Accra. Many years ago, this old widow woman was faced with an unbelievable tragedy. Her one and only son was killed in a car accident. She'd already lost her husband. Now her only son was gone. She was old and aged, and she had nothing left to hope for. She sank into depression and despair. Her days and nights were filled with grief and weeping, and it seemed as if she herself would soon die. But then one night, she had a dream, and in the dream, the angel of God came to her, and the angel of God said, find the house that has never known sorrow. And when you find the house that has never known sorrow, all your sorrow will be taken away. Well, the woman got up in the morning. She said, I need to find the house that has never known sorrow. Where can I find that house? She said, ah, I will go to East Legon. The people in East Legon, they are rich. I'm sure they've never known sorrow. So she set out for East Legon. She found the biggest, most beautiful mansion in East Legon. She went and knocked on the door. The door opened, and a lady dressed in beautiful, expensive clothes with gold and silver jewelry answered the door. Yes, dear, Hello. You know, East Legon, that, sorry for us. We're, you know, hello, what can I do for you? And the old widow woman said, please, madam, I'm looking for the house that has never known sorrow. Is this that house? It's very important to me. Please tell me. And the woman said, oh, my dear, you must be joking. And the rich lady began to tell her all her pain. Her daughter was in the hospital. Her son had just lost his job. Her mother had died in the village. She wasn't getting along with her husband. In fact, the woman had so much pain as she talked to the old lady, she started to weep. Then the old widow woman said, now it's okay, dear. I've just passed through a terrible time, a hard time myself. Let me pray for you. Let me encourage you. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. And they spent some time together. She left that house. The rich woman was encouraged. She went to the next house. But the same story repeated. No matter where she went, to a big house or small, to rich people or poor, to black people or white people, she found the same story. Every house had sorrow. But something funny happened. 
As she went from house to house, meeting people's sorrow, she encouraged them and prayed for them and comforted them. And as she did that, gradually her own pain subsided. She began to forget about her own tragedy. In fact, she became encouraged as she encouraged others. And the woman became a well-loved fixture here in East Legon. Some families even adopted her as a grandmother for their children. She lived her days in happiness and joy because she learned the truth we must learn when you comfort others, you're comforted. When you enrich others, you're enriched. When others flourish at your hand, God makes you flourish. When you connect your soul to God's compassion and carry it to others, you will flourish. For 1 John 4.19 says, we love each other because he loved us first. So get in the presence of God and receive his love and you will be able to love others. Get in the presence of God and receive healing and you will be able to heal others. Get in the presence of God and receive comfort and he will use you to comfort others. And I challenge you today, no matter who you are, no matter how you feel, no matter the pain inside, we are here to stand with you and help you. Agape House cares about you. We're a family of love and we want to bless you and walk this journey with you so that we can lift you and carry you along the way to connect your soul with God. On page two of your bulletin, you'll find two QR codes. The first one, you can scan and update your contact information so we can communicate with you and share with you in your journey. The second one is for agape care. If you're here today, you're facing divorce or loss or grief or trauma, something's happened and you're heartbroken, you can scan that code and we will connect you to people who care. Pastor Adeline, Reverend Divine, all kinds of people who will bring comfort, counsel, and care for you. For God wants to bless your soul. In the courtyard at the Welcome Center, you can meet with people. The pastors will be here at the altar at the end of service to pray with you. For if, you, if your soul is wounded, today is the day to begin to get healing. If your soul is weary, today is the day to begin to get strength. If your soul is bitter or angry, you'll find freedom and rest, and your soul will flourish. That's the promise of 1 Peter 2.25. It says this, Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now, but now, today, February 4th, 2024, at Agape House, you've turned, you've turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. And I want to pray with you. If you'll just pray with me and turn, turn to your shepherd. Turn to him today and say, Lord, I commit my soul to your control. Turn to him today and say, Lord, comfort me with your care. Turn to the shepherd of your soul today and say, Lord, connect me with your compassion for others. When you do, you will flourish in your feelings. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every man and woman, boy and girl in the house. I ask you, Lord, for every hurting heart, for every confused mind, for every soul in bondage, let us escape today. Escape the snap, the, the, the snare. Escape the bondage. Escape the overflowing emotions. We connect our soul to your control today. We yield our fine inner being our mind, our will, our emotions to you. We yield all of ourselves to you. We ask you to heal us, comfort us, connect us with your care, Lord. Come and fill us. Water our dry land. Nourish our dry gardens. 
Strengthen our weak knees. Give us grace to escape. Lord, help us today not to stifle our emotions, but to release them to you. Let us channel your love and compassion. Let us be a conduit for your care. Let us flourish in our feelings so that we feel better and so that we can do better. Bless us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we will like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.